0: Good evening. Uh, we will continue today uh, the great series that we started, "Path to the Just, by Ramchal Lutzato. And uh, f- last week, it was the first uh, session. We in the introduction. We did not finish the introduction. Uh, after the introduction, there's different chapters in different subjects. So Bezrat Hashem will be able to go into the first chapter today, hopefully. Uh, a little preview from last week, we spoke about the journey to reach perfectness in the purpose of the person in this life. The person got life, uh, the creator of the world is putting us here, he put the soul in a body, he gives us a mission to achieve, we have a goal to achieve. Uh, the Ramchal started his book, that I'm not coming to say anything that people are not aware of already. Everybody knows there's nothing new, even though it's not 100%, he's mixing his, and uh, 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 being humbled and, uh, and modesty, so he's actually, being humbled is writing that there's really nothing new, but there's a lot of new things here, that, uh, that he put some light on subjects in the Torah that were not so clear. But in general, he's repeating some of the things that every Jew must know by heart. And he said, even though everyone knows about it, they're still not paying attention to it because it's so common and it's so known that nobody understands that this is the most important thing in life. And then he gives an example how many people mistakenly think that, uh, that really to become a Hasid, Hasid is one level above tzaddik, above, above righteous, there's righteous and there's a chassid. Chasid means even things that you are not obligated, you do for the sake of heaven, which is in a very, very high level. So he said to reach this midat chassidu, this level of being a chasid, many people think that they have to torture themselves to fast, to roll in the ice, and the snow, and uh, all kinds of other things, and to read all the tehillim, and to, to make a lot of confessions. And that's really, really not, not the main thing in life. I mean, it's important always, you know, obviously, if a person fasts, it's always good to erase the sins. If a person read Tehilim, he prays Hashem, what can be wrong about it? It's fine. Don't get the wrong, the wrong idea here. It's all important. But one thing is we should know that Judaism does not teach the person that he has to or he must torture himself to reach repentance. No, that's not true. Some sins that a person does, which we call the 36th restriction from 365 restrictions in the Torah, 36 of them are crucial. Crucial for the fact that the soul gets cut out of life of eternity if someone commits that, that, that sins. Like Michal el Shabbos, like he's not keeping Shabbat, or, or worshipping an idol, eating Chametz and Pesach. There's a list of, uh, of horrible sins that a person makes, and because of that, he's solely subject to get cut. However, when a person makes tshuva, yeah, he receives suffering, but the suffering is according to the choices of Hashem. Hashem decides when to send the suffering, and he breaks it to many, many little payments that a person does not break up. But if a person ran after a life of, uh, of tortures, he torture himself all the time, fasting, uh, you know, having all kinds of things to torture himself. That's really not the direction of the Torah. The Torah wants a person, and this is maybe something that the Christianity uh, put in the mind of many people, that if you suffer, if you make yourself suffer, it's good for your sins. Like I said, every suffering helps you to erase the sin, it's a fact. You cannot deny it. But thinking that this is the ultimate way to reach perfectness, the answer is no. The answer is, it's better you sanctify yourself, you invest in Torah, in your holiness, and you build yourself in a positive way. You understand? There's two ways. Sometimes you go to the doctor, the doctor said there's two ways for you to lose weight. One is to work out and cut off what you're eating. Don't eat junk, work out, do some physical work, You build yourself up, after three, four months, you lose your entire belly. There's another way, a surgery. Cutting, sucking, this, putting you to sleep, then pain, stitches. Both ways, really, supposedly achieve the same thing. But every normal person understands that the right way to do it is what? By building yourself positively, not uh, going into the negative way to reach the target. Okay, so this is, a, like I said, the preview of the last week, of the last week's lecture. And uh, King Solomon wrote that uh, if uh, the beginning of wisdom, wisdom starts with fear from Hashem. If you have fear from Hashem, then you can be a wise guy. If you don't have fear from God, you don't have any wisdom. You think you're smart, Maybe you're smart in different things, but in the most important thing, you are not. Also, uh, in the book of Yov, it says clearly, irat Hashem Fear of God is wisdom. So really, it's very interesting. Wisdom it's fear. Fear it's wisdom. Do you understand what's going on here? If you think you're wise without having fear from God, you are wrong. If you think you can have fear from God, Without wisdom it's also not, because the foolish people never afraid of God for what they do. People, most people behave in a certain way. If you tell them, listen, from this moment on we put a camera on you and we broadcast everything you do. What happens is, from this moment on they behave completely different. Why? Wisdom. You know Up to now nobody looked at me. Now I have a camera I better pretend. Right? People are watching me. But the stupid people, even with the camera, they behave the same. I heard that they have all kinds of television shows that they put people together in a house to live for a month, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And, 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 and I hear that they behave like pigs, these people. Just like they behave in, after a few days that they get used to the camera, the truth comes out. Yeah. That's foolish people. Smart person, even five years in a place when, every, when everything he does is broadcast to the world, would pretend five years, or 10, or 20, or 40 years. Why? Right? What's the difference? how I many years? Everybody sees you now. But there is a much higher level than the camera and the audience to judge you. It's the one that your entire eternity depends on him. He is watching you. That's a level of wisdom. It goes together. Every time we say, Irat fear from heaven, it includes many things in it. It includes fear from the punishment, but that's the lowest level. Because I say that even a dog is afraid of the punishment. The dog bites something he's not supposed to, and his master hit him once. Next time he's afraid to go there, he knows. He's afraid of his master. So even a dog understands not to do certain things that there is, is subject to punishment. So that's really the lowest level. Some people don't even have fear from the punishment which in reality they are lower than the level of animals, because even the animals are afraid from a punishment. So this kind of people are actually in a lower level. So fear is the lowest, fear from the punishment is the lowest level. But then the second level is recognizing who you're dealing with. You're dealing with the creator of the world, my friend. It's not just another thing. It's there the ultimate, the most perfect thing you can think about. With him you're dealing here. So when you recognize who is in charge of you, who is your master, first of all, you feel proud to be a servant. And also, besides that, you know that you're dealing with something so great, then automatically it elevates your level of behaving and your level of service. Uh, we move on. The Ramchal says like this. Uh, In the Torah, it says, And now, Israel, what is your God asking from you? But to fear your God, to follow His way, to love Him, to serve your God with all your heart and all your souls. So the Torah gave us the right order. The right order. It's in the Torah, in the written Torah, for those who have all kinds of doubts around it, This is in the written Torah. What does it say? And now, Israel, what is your God asking from you? But, here is the list. To fear your God comes before love. Like I always say, if you have fear, you can reach love. You don't have fear, you don't reach anything in life. Even that love that you think you have, three months later, is gone. The excitement is gone, and then you stay with all your sins. So first, to fear your God. Second, to follow his ways. What does it mean to follow his way? To imitate him. The only one you have permission to imitate is God. Nobody else. In Judaism, there is no instruction to imitate the righteous people or the great people, no. Because every person has his unique test in life. What do you imitate him? Maybe your purpose is not like him. Maybe his pers- purpose is to teach Torah all his life, and your purpose is to be a butcher, to slaughter the animal, or maybe to be a moel to circumcise the baby, or maybe to be a doctor, or maybe to, be, to have a life of suffering. Everyone with his main purpose in life. Imitating one another, the poor try to imitate the rich. The rich try to imitate the poor. No, your job is to be Baal Daka, to philanthropy. Your job is to live off charity. And this is the test of your life. There's no point of imitating each other. But to imitate God, everyone must do so. Why? Maa is is merciful, learn from him to be merciful. He's honest, learn to be honest. He's uh, generous, learn to be generous. You know, all the things that you can learn from God. it's about time you learn. So this is to follow his ways. Watch the third thing in a verse. The third thing is to love him. That's the third level. And to service your God with all your heart and all your soul. And to keep the mitzvot, whether you like it or not. If you like it, it's needless to say. If you like it and you don't do it, what else can we say? Even when you don't like it. Certain mitzvot is very hard for you. You don't like it. It makes you upset to do it. Uh, It costs you a lot of money to do it. So it automatically takes away the pleasure from it. So with all your heart and all your soul, with your good inclination and your evil inclination and with your entire neshama, with your entire soul, to follow and to service, which means to keep all the Torah. And? The last thing is Hashem Before there is difference between avodat Hashem and Lishmor What's the difference? shamor ve in the ten commandment. One time he says Shamor at Yom Hashabbat. One time he says zachor at Yom Hashabbat. Shamor means all the restrictions. Keep, make sure you don't violate any restriction. That's called shmirah, shomer. Like the Torah says, "Be careful." Ishamer comes from the word shomer. Shomer means keep, but ishamer lecha means make sure. It's a warning. You understand this connection between the two words to keep and to be careful comes from the same root, ishamer and shmor. So the Torah says, "Ishamer lecha." This is what it means. Lishmoret kol mitzvotav means every restriction, everything, okay. And avodat Hashem is avodat mitzvot to keep the mitzvot. So we have irat, fear of heaven, following his way, loving him, the perfectness of the heart, which means clean the heart from all the negative, and then keeping all the commandments, five levels of a ultimate, perfect, righteous, chassid Jew. That's the level. Now, nowhere it say all day to read him." Nowhere it say to pray all day. Nowhere it say to torture yourself all day. Nowhere it say to fast every day and to, you know, to, the more you suffer, the more you're going to elevate yourself. No. This is the right way. Then, he continued the Ramchal in his introduction, and he says, when a person recognizes the greatness of Hashem, every move he makes, Every little move, God is in his mind. He's embarrassed with, before every little thing he wants to do is embarrassed. Now, I'll give you an example. Many times you behave in a certain way in a house, and then someone knocks the door. In the middle of yelling at your son, you take all the anger, all the frustration you have at work. It wasn't a great day. And as soon as you hear right away, your voice becomes so soft and nice within your anger. Or I gave you another example. Uh, a boss in a business is screaming at his employee. He did something wrong in a job. So he has a salesman work for him. He's attacking him, embarrassing him. And then Pew! a customer walked in. Ah, within the anger, is ready. He's ready to kill him or her. How are you? Oh, good to see you. Hi, ah, how can I help you? Right away, a drastic change. What do you see here? That even in the things that get you the most angry, you can control it if it pays for you to do so. Most people don't want to control it, so why should I worry? But when a person recognizes who is standing in front, right away, he will never get to such anger or all this kind of behaving. Why? Because it's all about to know who am I standing in front and the level of embarrassment that I have. So automatically, it corrects all your bad traits, your personality. And the Ramchal continue, everything that is glorious for the person who does it, right? Everything that is glorious, this is what you should search for. Everyone has to aim to the right direction, right? And also that he has to know that the main thing in his life, how do I satisfy? How do I make my father in heaven happy for me? Like a boy that wants to make a little two years old, that wants to make his father happy. He tries to do this. Do you, he's trying to get his attention. That's all he has in his mind. If the father yelled at him or something, you see how he cried for an hour. What's the big deal? Why? That's all he has in his life right now. He doesn't know anything else. To create satisfaction in front of his father in heaven. And to be very upset if it wasn't perfect. And will be zealous for it. Like, this is the thing that I care about the most. And when he finally did it correctly, he should be extremely happy that he was able to complete it in a perfect way. And always to have a pure mind and a pure heart when he does it, which means nothing to do with what I want, or what I feel, or what's comfortable, or what I'm going to get out of it. Only for you, because you wanted me to do it, whether the people pay me, whether they give me a sharkoach, tap on my shoulder, whether I get a great email, uh, uh, who knows what. This all has to be erased from your mind before you do it and after has to be 100% for the sake of heaven. This is the highest level. This is the hardest thing in life. Many people understand there is God, the Torah is real, and you gotta, you better keep it before you lose everything. But how many can get that everything they do is only because you want it and I'll do it exactly as you want, whether it's good for me, whether I see it's good, whether I don't understand, whether right now I'm losing money, whether I get an insult, whether my friends would leave me, How many people had to divorce their wife for the sake of heaven? Who wants to get divorced? If if you're happy. If they abuse each other, then of course, you don't want to be with her. But if you love her, physical attraction, spiritual attraction, you, you name it. Real love. Not like all the fake loves out there. And now you found out that she's a very not modest woman and she does things against the Torah. And you try two years to do everything you can to wake her soul up. It just doesn't work. There's a limit how much you can do. The marriage is no, has no value. Cannot be with her. She doesn't want to go to the mikveh. She doesn't want to keep Shabbat. She doesn't want to have kosher plate. She doesn't want to cook kosher. She dresses horrible in front of the kids. She speaks in a bad way. Almost everything is bad about her. How can you live with her? To sacrifice your love, to stay alone, supposedly she goes with the children somewhere, and you become lonely, renting yourself some room, in certain age, and you do it for the sake of heaven, it's very, very difficult. Most of the people who did it, if you check, they didn't do it because she wasn't religious, because there was other problems with her. If she's a great wife, and they had good relationship between them, let's say she agreed to go to the mikveh, She doesn't do anything just that, because she want to be with her husband and he doesn't want to touch her if she's not pure. He doesn't go to the mikveh. But let's say, everything between him and her is fine. And he, she's doing a lot of horrible things against the Torah, against God. Most people won't give her up. Or she won't give him up. Why? Because I'm going to lose. But when your relationship with her is horrible, then all of a sudden you become righteous. No, she's not righteous. She doesn't keep Torah. That's really not the reason. Hashem knows why you dumped her. You dumped her because you have another girlfriend or something. Or you want to marry somebody else who waits for you. Or maybe she abused you and you tire tired of her. With or without religion, you do the same thing. So it really doesn't matter. Now he's pretending. You know, I gave up my wife for, for, for the religion, for Hashem, Beloni. With or without religion, you'll do it. But some people, they gave up the most important thing in their life for the truth. And that's a sacrifice. Because remember, the truth, no matter what, has to be always above everything you can think of. Everything. Good for me, bad for me, I love it, I'll be depressed, I'll be lonely, I'll be miserable, cost me money, it took me 20 years to save this money. I'll give you an example. A person worked 20 years in a corrupted job, all they cheat customers. All day kill one after the other, stealing 1,000, 2,000, 5,000. And all, almost all his customers are Jews. He's not allowed to steal from the goyim as well. But over here, he steals from his own brothers. And one day, he become religious. Now he found out he has a million dollar cash on his side. It's all stolen money. How many people you knew that took the list of the customer and say, come back, I owe you 15, I owe you 30, or I owe you 40, and he left with nothing, and he mortgaged his home, and he paid back everything because he wanted to start clean. How many? Can you show me one like this? This is a level of a real bad tshuva. How many people did it? Sometimes people, when they become religious, they do an act, one or two acts of tshuva, to make themselves feel good. So they're willing to give $50, $40, $20, $25. But the $25 million that he stole, he doesn't touch. The $25 he stole from one of his employees, all of a sudden he became tzaddik. Rabbi, do I have to find the worker that I had five years ago and give him the $25 I cheated him? Why $25 yes and $25 million no? $25 doesn't hurt. $25 million hurts a lot. You understand what's going on here? Plus, you have to understand also one thing. Every person has a minimum red line that he won't cross. It's from zero to 100%. Every person has a rating, which he, he actually determined in what level is going to be, from zero to 100, 100 levels. For instance, if you have a person that is a conservative Jew, he drives to the shul with a car on Shabbat. Sometimes they play pla- piano. He smokes a cigarette. He answer phones in the middle of the prayer on Shabbat. So it's 100% like the church. It looks from the outside. The guy drives to the church on Sunday. He's driving to the shul. But some conservative shuls started to pray in English, not in Hebrew. Because you know anyway, nobody understands Hebrew there. Most of them went to public school. It's very hard for them to read Hebrew. It's, it's for them, it's like us reading Chinese. Imagine you have to pray in a language you, you have no idea, don't know what. You just know how to read. If you know how to read, some, some of them read in a, in a book that it's actually written in English, but Hebrew words in English pronunciation. So, so they, it's very difficult. It's hard to blame them. I understand what's going on here now. So, so this reformed person, that, let's say, he's rated, <laughs> I, let's say, 30, 40, whatever, in his level. Because, let's say, he's kosher, he does some things, right? So now, for him, he looks at the conservative who pray in English like he's a total wicked person. Pray in English? What are you, a <laughs> guy? Reality, but even he has a line that he looks down to people below him. Not always they really below him. Because it's better to pray all your life in English, even though you don't understand the words, than one time to start your car on Shabbat. But he doesn't understand it. He thinks, I'm good, I'm going to the shul with a car. Eh, The rabbis made it up that you're not allowed to drive. But it says clearly in the Torah, do not create any fire. It's clearly, nobody can argue, it's a verse. Don't create fire anywhere you're going to live. Anywhere. Everywhere you're going to be, most every place you're going to be, not allowed to create fire. Israel, out of Israel, on the moon, everywhere. Not allowed. But they do whatever it's good. Whatever it's good for them, which means comfortable for them, not good. So in that case, we see that every person has a minimal line that he will not cross down. And I can understand, if I go below that line, then I'll feel very guilty. My conscience will kill me. You understand? So some of them, for instance, are very honest with money. You see, sometimes you find people, the Mechalel Shabbat, but when it comes to business, it kills them when they see crooks on people who cheat and steal. You understand? But they, they don't understand that really to be Mechalel Shabbat is a million times worse than to be a crook. To be a crook is a horrible thing. To be Mechalel Shabbat is the, it's below, it's worse than murderer. And people don't understand it because in the eyes of God is the worst, the worst, worst, worst thing that you can think of. It's this. This is is something that, like I said, sometimes you play with fire. Over here you play with atomic bomb in your hand when it comes to Bich Mechal Shabbat. How much a person has to understand and cherish and appreciate Shabbat, but most people don't understand what it means. An eternal covenant. These two words, it's an eternal covenant between me and the nation of Israel. You know what what value this verse has? This was enough for every normal, clever person, right here, never to dare to be mechalel Shabbat, even if there was no punishment for it. Even if God said, but if you want to do it, it's your choice. But I want to make a covenant, an eternal covenant between me and you. And the covenant is observing the Sabbath. Forget punishment. Not to talk about the horrible punishments in the afterlife, but even without a punishment, common sense. Creator of the world is reaching his end to me. What would I do, spit back at him? Forget about the punishment. he let you go. No? But dignity, where is your dignity? What are you replacing it with? Driving to the mall, all kinds of things. So this is what he's talking about here that a person has to do because that's what the truth is. It's nothing to do with what I want. How many times people call you? I I told you a story that one guy called me. Don't think that it's an easy test. Everything is difficult. Well, one guy called me, and he said he wants to sell all his investments to give the money for making ballet tshuva, to make CDs. He has some investments that he saved for a few years, and he wants to sell all his savings to stay with nothing and give all the money to make CDs, to, do- to donate for the CDs, to make ballet tshuva. You understand? Is he allowed to do it? That's the question. The, you know, in Hebrew they say, the goal sanctify the mean, the way. To get to the goal, sometimes there's no other way. But over here, it's a big test. In On one hand, let's see, he we'll would do such a thing, and there will be another thousand Shomrei Shabbos in the world. To lose, can he lose? No, he only made money comes, money go. Hashem can always send them ten times more. But as a person that he asks you the question, you have to tell them what the Torah says. The Torah says you can give up to twenty percent of your net income. Unless if you're extremely rich, you're above the ordinary. There is rich and there's really, really rich. Everybody understand what I mean here? Rich, rich, you live comfortably. You give up to 20%, it's fine. If you make $10 million a year net, what do you need? So you give up to $2 million. What do you need $8 million to do what? To buy another house and another car and another watch and another this and another vacation and another cruise. And what for? Then you can give a lot more than 20%, of course. So I I wrote to him, if you have a very, very rich father that your future financially is secure, or you yourself have a lot of money, right, that you have on the side, houses, whatever, you want to sell some of your investments, then you're allowed. But if you're ordinary person, you're not allowed. Up to 20%, that's it. So he wrote, no, I'm only a student, 24 years old, single student single student, student, wanted to give all his savings. How many students sleep at night today? Most students don't sleep at night. They worry, what's going to happen? I finish college. Will I find a job? How much will I be making? How will I get married? I don't have money for a house. How will I buy a car? How will I buy a ring? That's all they're thinking about. And I see from the question they ask me. Here comes the hero wants to give everything out and say, whatever happened, I trust Hashem. Nobody ever lost from doing the right thing. So there is a continuation to that story. I said that story in one of the lectures. Few days later, I get an email. (laughs) I get an email. Some woman, she sends me an email. You said in your lecture there's a guy that I just described to you. And I have a daughter. She's very, very similar to this guy you're describing. She also wants to give out. She's also a student. She's also and also. I think maybe it's a good match. Maybe we can get them together. <laughs> so I asked him permission. I said, look, people heard about you. They are so amazed by you. Because remember, even the rich people, they were, be, they were dying to be like you. But their tight heart doesn't let them. They want to be generous like you. It's not that they don't want. They know this is what Hashem wants, that you care about others. But the evil inclination doesn't let them. So when they see someone is like that, believe me, they appreciate him. You know the story I once said, that in, in uh, Greece, there was, a, there was a competition between Athens and Sparta, two teams, one against the other. The stadium is full of people. And an old man came with his cane, you know, he came like this. So he's looking for a place to sit. So uh, he comes to the side of his fence. You know, he's from Athens, so he looks around, nobody gives him his chair. So he said, Okay, nobody rides for me. Nobody cares that I'm walking like this. I'm eight years old with my cane, walking like this. So he went to the side of the opposite, the fence, the fence of the other team. So when they went there, one of them right away got up. He said, hey, grandpa, come. Have my seat. I'll stand. So all the fans of Athens that none of them rise, rise and started to clap for that fan. (laughs) How much this story teaches about life. To know the truth and to do the truth is not always the same. The distance could be sometimes from one side of the world to the other. Not none. Every one of them knew that the right thing to do is to rise and to let this old man that probably barely walked with his cane, his legs hurt, have mercy on a stranger. So what? And that's a great thing. But why none of them wanted to rise? Because they don't believe in God. And they don't know that whatever you do, you never lose. And they don't know that you're also subject to a punishment. They don't know that. That's what made them pretend that they don't see him. But if God would come to you in your ear and say, hey, what are you waiting for, you fool? Don't you see an 80-year-old man? His knees are collapsing. Get up before I give you a smack. Right away, get up. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, grandpa, come, come, please. Clean the chair for him. Come. Can I help you? Can I go get you, buy you something? Right away, change his attitude. No? Even if his rabbi would walk by. <laughs> You see the rabbi, he rise right away for the old man. Why? It's an embarrassment. Anyway, so I asked permission from this student. And he said, yeah, why not? I put them together. Now, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully. That will be one of the greatest stories. How you talk about one thing, and then the next thing, you never know. Maybe you make a shidduch We'll see. Anyway, so we continue. Uh, the Gemara continue, the Ramchal continues like this, it says like this. <laughs> there is a list of things that one leads to another. You now, when you build a building, first you dig a hole in the ground. Then you make the foundation. Then you make the first floor, what we call the basement. And usually they make it with solid country. You know, concrete that... Found- in, in, in Israel, they build the entire building with big blocks of, uh, of cement, whatever. Here they make the whole house with wood, but the foundation always with solid concrete. At least the foundation, because everybody understands, if you don't have foundation, you don't have anything. Then after that, you build the frame, and then the windows, and you put the doors, and then the floors, whatever. There's an there's a, there's a order how to do. One thing leads to another. How do you build your life? First thing, this is based on the Mishnah, Rabbi Pinchas ben Ya'ir. This is in Massechet Avodah Zarah in the Gemara, page 20. Rabbi Pinchas ben Ya'ir says, Torah meviyah leideh zehirut. The more you learn Torah, you become cautious. You're more careful about things you do, things you say, the way you walk, the way you eat, the way you behave, the way you dress, the way you give money, the way you take money. You are careful in everything that before you did not pay attention. Careful, not careful, didn't bother you. Now you're starting to watch carefully about every move you do. What do you see right away? That the level of your sensitivity, of your irat shamaim, right away, rise tremendously. No? Zeirut, caution, bring to zrizut. What's the opposite of laziness in English? What's the right word? The opposite of laziness. Someone who's very fast to do, to help, is not lazy. How do you call somebody like Dynamic. that? Dynamic? Dynamic. Dynamic? Dynamic. Some words yeah. do not, does not exist in English. Very nice. <laughs> Maybe in America there's nobody like this. <laughs> so they say, we might as well not make a word for it. Anyway, there's nobody. Borkaholic. Borkaholic, it's a curse for It's not a, it's not a compliment. You got the point, what I mean or no? In Hebrew, it's called zrizut, zriz active, positive, active to do, run to do. So, okay, then what? Zrizut then Once you <coughs> dynamic, active, fast, this that, what happened? It brings you to a level of nekiut nekiut can be few things. One is the heart is clean. You clean your heart. How you clean your heart? You give back money that you don't loan on, you pay back loans, you apologize to people you offend. Slowly, slowly you clean your life from all the dirt that attached to you. It can also be clean nekiyut, clean the way you dress, the way you always, you know, in your personal life, how you behave nekiyut, bringing you into prishut. Prishut means a person that is not addicted to the material world. He doesn't care about the, the, the food, delicious, not delicious, from today, from yesterday. It's not spoiled, it's food. I need to be full, that's what I need, I don't care. This kind of bread, that kind of bread, from today, from the morning, just came from the oven, doesn't care about this. Has salt, doesn't have salt, all kinds of things like that. Nikiut meviyah lideh prishut, meparush min haolam doesn't care about media, doesn't care about news, doesn't care about sport, doesn't care about cars, doesn't care about fancy schmancy homes. Nothing bothers him, nothing is on his mind. He only focuses on the reason that he was created for. What? My relationship between me and God. He puts me here, why did he put me here? To enjoy houses, that's not the reason. To enjoy vacation, that's not what he created me for. To be an athlete, He did not create me for that. To watch half of my life games, he didn't create me for that. To run after nice clothing, he did not create me for that. To enjoy delicious food all day and all night, he he did not create me for that. So he's thinking thousands of things. Did he create me for that? No. Put an X on it. Did he create me for this? No. Did he create me for that, for that, for that, for that? The answer is no. About everything materialistic, the answer is no. So the conclusion is, what did he create me for? He gave me Torah. What does the Torah say? The Torah tell me what I was created for. To learn a lot of Torah, to follow the mitzvot, and the most important thing, to correct the negative traits that I born with. That's it. And that's all I care about. That's called parush. I know few people like this. I know few people. Like, I know personally people like this. But they don't care. They don't know. They live in Israel. They don't know who the prime minister is. They don't know anyone. They don't know one person from television. They don't know one person from politics. They don't know one person from sport. They don't know the streets around their homes. They don't know, unless if they walk to yeshiva through that street. Three streets away, 20 years in this neighborhood. Tell him, you make it right and where? What do you mean? It's three blocks away from your place. I never been in that place. From house to yeshiva, to yeshiva to the house now. Vacation? Doesn't know what it means. You know, to go try suits in a store. They don't have time. I I told you once, my cousin told his students, how do you know how to tie your tie? So what do you mean? We learned. How did you have the 10 minutes to waste on it? It's not a joke. Didn't understand how they went and practiced in front of the mirror 10 minutes when you can do another 500 mitzvot in 10 minutes. But this is a very high level of people. Oh, yeah. But every one of you sitting here could be right there if he wants. If you're convinced that this is what you have to do and you want, you're not going to be lazy and lay down and do nothing all your life. You really want to work very hard? Every one of you can be there. Guarantee! Even if you're dumb, even if you're not talented, even if your memory is horrible, even if you don't have a penny in your pocket, Even if your parents are against you, they hate religion, they don't everything you may say will not be used as an excuse for your protection. You know why? Because this is the thing that God wants the most, that every one of his Jews will be to this level. So if you would agree that you have to get there, no nothing in your life you will get an assistant more than this. You want to be rich, maybe God will help you, maybe not, Depend on his plans. You want to do this, you want to get married, maybe yes, maybe not. You want to be tzaddik? You want to be righteous and a big talmid chacham? It doesn't matter what you came to the world with. Your head could be completely blocked. If you show him you want, you see, he will open up your head 100%. If you pray for spirituality, God will answer you much faster when you play for money when you pray for money and other things. Try. Try one month not to ask for money and for house and for cars and for for the boss to be nice to you. Leave these things alone. Only one month, just focus, Hashem, just make me very close to you. Improve my holiness, improve my level, improve my understanding, improve my learning, improve my memory. I want to learn more hours. I want to remember what I learned. I want to understand more. One month, you pray only for that, and you see right away a total improvement in your whole life. And if you do not ask for anything from the Gashmiyut, from the material material world, you'll get it one way or the other either way. Why? Because you're asking for the main thing, the secondary thing comes attached to it. And this is what we say every day in the prayer when we started Filach Munais Re, Mashiva Ruach U What does it mean? What does it mean, Mashiva ruach Geshem? Huh? What does it mean? Mashiva mean? 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 ruach means return the wind. The wind. And make the, the rain fall. What's the secret in these words? Ruach, it's Ruchniut. Ruchani, Ruach, Ruchaniut. And Geshem, it's Gashmiut. Mashiva, Ruach, if a person is returning the spirituality to his life, Hashem, Morida, Geshem. Hashem will send you all the money you need for your yeshiva, for the kids, for your nut for this, for whatever you need. You want the most expensive meat, the most kosher meat, don't worry. You need the best matzot, don't worry. You need nusukah, don't worry. First you work on your spirituality, everything will come as a package deal. But if you pray only for material, 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 you stay bold on both sides. No material, no spiritual, no nothing. Unless if you must be rich. Some people, they must be rich. Otherwise, they will not be created. Even they pray all their life to be poor, they'll stay rich and become richer. Why? Because this is the purpose I made you here. I'm testing you in your generosity. So what's the point of making you poor? <laughs> Why do I need you here? The test is medicine. What am I going to give you? A test in math? What's the connection? You want to be a doctor or you want to be a Mathematician. Everyone has his job in life. And once you exclude yourself from the materialistic lifestyle, it brings you into purity. You're a pure person. Pure. No impurity sticks to you. And if you're pure, then it brings you to the level that I've been talking about all along. Above righteousness, which is called Hasidut, midat Hasidut. And if you get to the level of Hasidut, then for sure you're also humbled. Nothing offend you. Nothing offend you. Imagine living 70, 80 years and not getting offended once in your life. Not that people do not try. They try maybe all the time. It doesn't bother you. I always tell people, this one hurt me, this one do this to me, this one, this guy, this boss, this policeman, this. I said, let me ask you a question. If a dog would bark at you and insult you, barking, barking in front of everyone, you go like this. You get offended from a dog? I said, no. So why you got offended from this person? So what, well, you compare him to a dog? I say, he's worse than a dog. Sure. If he's in a level to offend you, to insult you in public, he's worse than a dog. Dog is not wicked. He's wicked. He's worse than a dog. Many of the things we do makes us worse than dogs. Worse than any animal. Not necessarily dogs. Any animal. So I say to him, imagine that a dog barked at you. Why are you getting offended? He doesn't understand. He doesn't learn Torah. He doesn't know. He has to correct his personality. Completely secular. Doesn't understand God, Shabbat, kosher, nothing, generosity, honesty. He doesn't know. These terms never came to him once in his life. What do you expect from him? If a big hacham yelled at you, then I understand why you got offended. Oh, I understand. Oh, already, that's a person who knows and he offended you, then I understand. But most people have no idea what they live for. You complain why they offended you, or why they're jealous, and why they hope that you're going to collapse like they did. What do you expect from them? They suffer. You succeed, and they, they, they are losers. It kills them to see you got a new car. That's why almost every new car in Israel has a big scratch over it. Go and check. Why? All the jealous neighbors, they cannot, they, when they wait online to the bus in the morning, see one of the neighbors got a car. It kills them. But if a person loves Hashem and he knows that Hashem gives everyone what he wants to give them and none, it's not in my, none of my business, everyone gets what they need to get in their life for different reasons, how would I interfere with God's plans? Why does it have to bother me that somebody, the opposite, should be happy that another Jew made money, maybe he's going to have some more money to do mitzvot now. If a wicked person becomes rich, I understand why you get upset. Because he's going to make more sins he makes sins, now he's going to have more money for his sins, so he's going to make more in quantity and more in quality. The quality of the sins will be now a lot worse now than before, right? Right now he could have gone once a month to his prostitute. Now he made a million dollars, he's going to go every day. So the million dollars make his gehenom 30 times deeper. You understand? But if a righteous person that learns Torah and sends his kids to yeshiva and try to get them to theirs and this and everything he tried to do and to help others to become religious and to bring them for Shabbat and to help the poor, etc. Now he made a million dollars, I'm very happy. Why? Right? As another million mitzvot every month will be done in a world. If you love Hashem, if you, par- if you love your partner and your partner made money, you should be happy, no? If you're a partner of Hashem to do what the Torah says, Every person who does something that makes Hashem happy should make you happy. Everyone who upset Hashem should upset you. Everyone who makes Hashem happy should make you happy. And if not, something is very bad about you. Check yourself a million times. I give you an example. If a person has a boy that is not good, he went off the derech, not interested in religion, doing bad things, steal, cheat, drugs, you know, all the bad things that the teenagers do today. And now someone call him and tell him about somebody that they know that his boy also became like this. This is a great example to check if you are righteous or wicked. If you feel relief in your heart, wow, I'm not the only miserable father, then you are very wicked very wicked. You have no love to Hashem, you're completely egoistic, and you only care about yourself and not about the truth. But if it make your pain now doubled, up to now you had pain about your son, and now you heard about another Jewish boy that went off the way and became Hashem Yerachem, if it makes your pain even greater than before, then you know that you're a righteous person. That's how you test yourself. Most people in Hebrew they ever say, (laughs) Sarat rabim, chazi nechama. Problems of many, it's half comfort. It's fifty percent comfort to a person. So that's the secular say. What's the religious answer to it? (laughs) Sarat rabim, nechamat tipshim. Problems of many, it's comfort of the fools. In Hebrew, it sounds rhymes. In English, doesn't have that not much of a uh, meaning. In Hebrew, it's rabim rabim nechama tipshim Rabim sounds the same. Which means the problem of many not only should not comfort you, if it comforts you, it means you're a fool. Because what does it help you that everyone went to pass the test to become a doctor? And all of them fail. And you are also one of the failures. Does it help you that they also fail? Does it make you a doctor? Now you're going to clean the streets in the winter with the leaves. I'm thinking I could have been a great doctor. But you lost. You fail. So you're thinking, ah, but fail the other of my friends. They all fail. Ah, it's not so bad. (laughs) That's a fool. What do you care? They pass. They fail. Does it bring more money to your pocket? that is making you more respectable? Did it change your suffering now? No. So why do you care about them? In English, it's misery loves company. <laughs> That's very good. I think it sounds even better in English. Misery loves company. Yeah, very good. All right. So uh, the Ramchal concludes his introduction. And Baruch Hashem, we finally going to chapter one now. It says like this, I agree to write my book I agree after long debates with himself. You know, today, a person learned two or three years in Yeshiva, right away, Rabbi, I want to write a book. Two or three years is on a level, first level in Yeshiva. Right away, take books, copy a little from here. Just what do we need is book in the world. There's tens of thousands of books. So he took a little bit from there, a little bit from there, a little bit from there. He put it into a nice collection, of course. Nothing it is. It's all copying from different books. He put it, he changed the words a little bit, and now he goes to all the chief rabbis in the world. They write, you know, as respect to the great rabbi, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. And now everywhere he goes like a, like a peacock. You know how the peacock, when you see people come to take pictures, he open his feathers. Everywhere he goes, he brings his book. He is all of a sudden, he's very generous. Every place he comes, I want to give you a copy of my new book. And, the, and it's one all he has in his mind is ego, and honor, and pride, and Hashem is vomiting. He's so disgusted from him that he wants to vomit. Excuse my expression. So the real righteous people, the real chachamim, they're not even interested to write. They only write if they are forced to write. Look at Rav Benzion Abu Ja'ul. The biggest chacham in the world, the biggest tzaddik in the world, Nobody had more suffering than him in this generation. Nobody. The biggest Kabbalist in the world didn't want to write any book. Now they're writing all his Torah, his students. Everything is recorded, so they're writing the books. He couldn't write. He wrote many things on different papers. He didn't care. Why do I have to prove to whom? You understand? So I heard his wife had as different opinions between 7 to 12 miscarriages. Getting pregnant and lose the baby. And in the end, one boy born. That's it. One boy left in the world, which is the Rosh Yeshiva now. Became paralyzed, suffering so much. He never wanted to open his own Yeshiva. Why? He didn't want to ask money from people. Refused. So better, I won't have a yeshiva, then I'm going to ask people, give me money. I have to sponsor the yeshiva. The Levels that you, the biggest tzaddik in the world, the biggest chacham in the world sits in the kitchen and peel okra for his wife, cutting okra, cucumbers. Think about it. Do you know a Supreme Judge Court who sits in the kitchen and ke- peel cucumbers for his wife? Show me this judge. I'm a judge in the Supreme Court. You're making me peel potato? Amiga, please, por favor, take care of the potato. What is this? this is going to be the biggest insult. And let's say you have a humble judge. Let's say. What happens if I come with a camera to take a picture of him? Oh, what are you doing? It's going to be on a newspaper. What's the big deal? Some people are humbled just as a show-off. Their humbleness, how is it humbleness? Humble. What's the word for it? Humble? Humbleness? The crazy craziness. Humility. Humility? humility. Why there's no word humbleness or humble. Huh? Humble. There's no rules here. Should have been uh, humility. humility. So the humility of some people, it's the biggest pride. Remember? The biggest pride. So You know, so the idea here that what we're talking here about is the Ramchal wrote. It said, this book, I agreed to write my book, to teach to myself, and to remind others the condition of the service to reach the highest level, perfect level in life. And I will explain each one of the levels. Remember how many levels? In the verse in the Torah, five different levels. One, two, three, four, five. I will explain each one of them and all the things who relate and connect to it. How you gain it. Or Chaz Shalom, how you lose it. How you be careful from not losing it. And the more you read in it, And everyone who will read in it will find comfort in it. That we should all learn together how to fear our God and never forget our obligations in front of him. That the law of nature and materialism always do everything it can to make us forget and not focus on the right mission in life. How true it is. How true. It's worth billions, this verse, this sentence. The more rich you are, the less time you have for Hashem. Guarantee. And if you see a wealthy person that is very religious, check with him 20 years ago when he wasn't religious. You see, he was double or triple than what he is today. In his learning, in his this, in his that. I'm not talking about zechuyot, merits. Yeah, when you're rich, you can buy a lot of mitzvot. Maybe he has now much more mitzvot, because he sponsor Torah, he gives money to yeshivot. Yeah, he could gain a lot more now. But in his personal perfectness level, the money usually 99.9% of the cases make a person busy with his possession, with his businesses, with his future plans, and automatically, it makes him neglect. Not intentionally. Not that he wants to be righteous. Not that necessarily he wants to be ungrateful to God that gave him all this wealth. No, that's not what's leading him. Of course, he doesn't want. When you stop him and say, hey, Mr. X, you became a multimillionaire. But look at you. I was with you in yeshiva. I'm looking at you today. You went down 100 levels. Say, so, you know, you're right. If he's honest. Sometimes he's going to you know, get upset. But if he's honest, you know you're right. That's the cost of doing business in Manhattan. And I was there in yeshiva. I didn't go and see what's around me. Now it's much harder. They admit. I speak to some of them. But what can I do? Right away, they begin to defend themselves. But what can I do? I have children. I have tuition. I have this. Everything. We know everything. So the Ramchal finished his country introduction by saying like this. And we're all going to have the blessing of the great meshorer. How do you call a nice word for a person who writes songs? Like, composer, composer. composer it's the music, no? The words, the words, the words. Someone who write the words, like nice songs, not, uh, yeah. you know, like the. You make me feel not so bad. I, I thought, I mean, I, I mean, there's many words in English. Sometimes I'm trying to think. I never heard a word like this before. Thinking so many years in this country, I never heard this word. I guess they're not, ex, they not exist, or they exist, but nobody really used them. But he, is, he wants to say, the loved songwriter who. Who is the greatest songwriter in Jewish history? David. King David. Very good. Oreni Hashem Darkecha. Please, Hashem, show me your way. Ahalech Amitecha, That I should walk in your path. Yached levavi le'ira et Dedicate my heart to fear your name. This is the conclusion of the introduction, the last verse. God, show me a way that I should walk through your path, your truth. Dedicate my heart to fear your name. This is what the king of the world asked from God. King David, king of the world. Remember, in his time, he was all over the world the most important king. Now the book begins. Now the book begins. This chapter 1, the title of chapter 1, Beur explanation in general about the obligation of the person in his world what's wrong about this title something that doesn't sound correct it's very correct but when you read it first it doesn't look so correct again the explanation of the general rule of the obligation of the human being, of the person in his world. In whose world? world? In whose world? First, and the person's world. It Why it doesn't say in the world? Why it say in his world? Because everything else doesn't matter. What matters is what he is, uh... Because there are two kinds of worlds. There is the general world of all of us together, interactions one with the other. You move these trees, food, trucks, everything, and every one of us has his own world. It's the world that in this world only two exist, me and my creator. And the rest is dust in the wind, nothing else. It's me and him, my relationship with him. A person has to work constantly together in both worlds. But definitely, definitely, the most important out of, out of the two is the world that me and God, there are alone. Not the world that me and 7 billion people are there, and hundreds of billions of animals. The world that me and God are together alone, like in a closed room, are much more important to me than the rest of the world. Which means, if there is a wedding tonight, when I go into this wedding, I have two worlds to cross. The world between me and my God, and the world underneath, between me and the people. When I cross the world between me and God, in order for me to enter the world that we live in, I have to check, this wedding that I'm about to go to, can go through this world of God or will be denied? Which means, yeah, hundreds of people will kiss my hand, hug me, kiss me, dance with me, give me good whiskey, food, wow, pleasure, three hours of pleasure, pictures, hugging, whatever you want. My parents will be happy. The uncles, this, that. My brother is, but there will be five hundred sins every minute there, kissing, hugging. This, no modesty, no kosher food, no blessing. This, the kallah, the bride is half naked. This, horrible situation over there. So, the, if it's comply with the world of me and my creator, then of course I'll go mitzvah, make them happy, dance with them, drink with them. I call fine. Almost the same thing. It looks almost the same. Few minor things, supposedly minor, changing the entire status of the evening. The dress of the people and the atmosphere in a place. If it's 500 people and 450 of them are haters of God or ungrateful people who don't care about him, and they make all the sins and it doesn't even bother them, eat without bracha, drink without bracha, dress like animals, all kinds of things, cursing, getting drunk, men and women, hugging, kissing, married woman with another man, all these things. How a person who loves God can be in, the same, in a place like this? There's big contradiction between the two worlds. Which world always comes first? Be'olamo, your personal world with your creator. Remember this. This is a very hard thing. Because the pressure is tremendous many times. Well, rabbi, it's the family, they get offended, it's tradition, My brother came to my wedding, how am I'm not going to go to his. Millions of excuses, and all of them sounds very good. Very good. But when you review what your creator think about it, you'll be very disappointed. So, I always tell people before you think how you satisfy your parents and your uncle and your friends and the neighbor and this and your wife and everybody else, first think all these satisfying things that I'm thinking about, it's good in the eyes of my Creator or it's against his opinion. If it's good with him, of course it's good with me. It's double good. Good with me and him, good with me and them. Of course I want, I don't want contradiction. But if he told me no, my friend, well, you're not allowed to go into this place because it's against the rules that I set. What happened? Not allowed. Then we continue. Maybe you can put the heat off. It's very hot here. Thank you. If I'm sweating in December, something is not right here. So, the beginning of this book, Yesod Achasidut VeShorish Avoda. Every Jew must learn this, this book at least a hundred times and know it by heart. There have it in English. Path to the Just, Lutzato. Yesod, the foundation of the chassidut. Remember what chassidut is? The ultimate level to reach in this life. Avoda, and the root of the work, of the service. Atmima, The perfect service the root of the perfect service. Who is? She itbarer amet. That is, that it will be clarified and confirmed by the person what's his own obligation in his own world. And where he has to aim his direction and his Uh, in his, his progress, in everything that he works very hard in his life. Let's translate it in simple words. Every person has a mission. Every person has a destiny. Every person has to reach some... This is from here to here, from here to there, from here to here. If a person will not invest a lot of attention, and a lot of thinking, where is that goal that belongs to me, not to my neighbor and my brother and my wife and my friend, no. Where is the goal that I have to reach? You will never reach it. Rule number one, you cannot get direction if you don't have the address in your pocket. You understand? You don't have the address, there's no point of searching for direction. Many people in this world are switching direction from moment to moment. You know why? Because they don't have an address. They don't have a destination. Ask 99.9% of the people in the world, Jews, goyim. There's nothing to talk about, besides some exception to the rule. But Jews, one secular Jew in the world knows his direction in life. A 100% like another species in nature. Woke up together, in a mood, not in a mood, wants to get up, doesn't want to get up, sleep, drink, eat, go down, go up, go to the beach, cheat, doesn't go to work, has a girlfriend. Whatever he does, it's, it's things that happens by the moment, and they are directing him, and usually based on his desires. Usually the steering wheel of the secular person in the world is his desires. The desire drives you. You now ate a big, big meal. You stuffed. You can hardly move from the couch. If it's up to you, you snore now on the couch until the morning, with your belly outside, big bowl of watermelon, some seeds, a little whiskey. You, fall, you, you fell asleep on the couch. But now you need a cigarette, because after the meal comes the addiction. So you ask, you scream to your son, Moshe, bring me my cigarette from the closet. Abba, there's no more, it's empty. What happened? The boy is too young, and it's late at night. You're afraid to send him on the street. Maybe somebody will kidnap him. No, it's crazy here. Send your boy out there, one crazy person will see him. Come, come, I'll give you a ride, never see him. You know how many missing people you have in the world? No idea. One day they left, and they never came back. Nobody ever knows where they are. You live 30, 40 years one of your kids is missing, just the thought what can be done to them every moment destroys you, destroy your life. It's much, much better, to know your kid died than to know somebody kidnap him. And who knows what they do to him? molest him, abuse him, prostitution. Maybe he's three floors under the ground. He's suffering every man. The thoughts. Or if your son is a prisoner by the Hamas or by these cruel Iranians, or who knows what. Just the thought, what can be done to him, kill you. If you know he's laying in a grave, you have a peace of mind. Okay, you lost him, it's, it's hard, but at least, you know, nobody is torturing him. Because everybody understands, between horrible torture and death, it's much better death, no? Everybody understands. That's why even in Judaism, it's permitted to pray that a person who is tortured in a hospital, to pray that he will die fast. is allowed. Mitzvah. You gather... Please, Hashem, take him away already. Take him to your world. Take him, take him. Why? Well, see how much he suffers. It's mitzvah. We want him not to suffer. But Hashem wants him to suffer. So with our prayers, we're helping him out. Maybe instead of suffering two months, he'll suffer a month and a half. But it would count like he suffered two months because it's the power of the prayer. You reach the correction in a faster way, thanks to the tefillot, to the prayers. So anyway, what we have here? Most of the secular Jews and non-Jews in the world, they have no direction in life. They don't feel that I'm in this world to achieve something spiritual. Because A, 90% of them probably don't even believe in spiritual. And those who believe in spiritual, what they think is spiritual is total nonsense. One guy believes in Buddha, and one guy in this, and one guy in that, and everyone with this nonsense. So those who think that they are in a spiritual life, eh, they're dreaming big time. So most people don't even know what spirituality is. Obviously, they cannot understand that they are here for X amount of time to reach an ultimate spiritual level. They don't, they don't, <laughs> it's not in their league, Bichlal. So they are lost before they started, even. The rest that understand there ha- has to be something more than materialism in this world. And they're searching for that. Most of them don't find it. And those who finally found Hashem, those who finally found Hashem, name to me, how many of them knows their ultimate goal, their destination? You know, one of the most common questions that I receive from religious people is, how do I know what's my goal in life? How do I know what's my tikkun? How do I know what's my, my purpose? my Sheli, ma ma'atachlit Sheli? There's all words, similar words in Hebrew. My purpose, my tikkun, my correction, my goal. It's all the same, more or less the same thing. Very hard to know. Let me ask you, please. Something here is not clear. We already know from many, many lectures and the film that I made, Torah and Science, I explained it over there, Very good. I think very good. And over there I said that we know there is a creation, there is a creator, and the more sophisticated is the creation. It indicates about the brilliance of the creator. And we never found any creation without a purpose. And in this creation, we are the most important thing in the puzzle from this whole world. So that means we are the masters of this world. The world was made for us. We are in charge of the animals, of the raw materials, of the metal, of, this, of, the, of the glass, of everything you have, of wood. Everything, everything is in our hand. And the world was created for us. It's very obvious. Every fool knows it. So is it possible to think that the Creator put us here in charge of this whole thing without telling us the instruction and the purpose of this world? Here comes the answer, of course not. So where, where, where is the manual? The Torah. Torah means in Hebrew instruction. Hurrah! Beautiful. So now we have the Torah. So we have now the Torah. You read the Torah, you know the 600 commandments, you should do, you should not do, you know this whole thing. But how do I know my individual direction? Obviously, not, not two Jews are the same. One is Kabbalah, one is Gemara, one is this, one is Shochet, one is businessman, one is a doctor. Everyone has something that he has to be specialised in his life. The test. How do I know where is my goal, Where, where do I go to? So the answer is, you don't know, but you can know, but it's not easy to know. You have to do everything to show God that you're serious and you really want to know, and you care to know, it's important for you, and then he would light your eyes. If not, if you're cold as eyes, everything you take for granted, it doesn't bother you, it doesn't take sleep away from your life, you will never know. With your nice yamaka and beautiful beard and the books, you will never know. Where is the proof that this is how it works in the Torah? From who we learn that this is how it goes? We have a perfect example in the Torah. Avraham Avinu. How many years Avraham Avinu searched for Hashem since she's three years old? Took many, many, many years until Hashem came to him and told him the, the, the purpose of his life, the purpose of the world, who is Hashem. How many years? First of all, He gave him ten different tests. Ten different tests. After he passed the ten tests, God came with a stamp and stamped on the file of Avraham Avinu, "Atay Adati Kiere Lokimata." Now I confirm that you are a fearful person from your God. It's in your file. Stamp, boom, finished. What happened? Nine different tests before that you didn't know. Now it's final. Now I'm beginning to show you everything, piece of cake, everywhere. But until you reach this level, what do you think? Take it for granted? Like in a store, you buy something, and you take the thing in the box, and right, away you begin to read? No, my friend. Yes, you have the Torah. The Torah will teach you what not to do, what to do in general. This is everyone equal. I have to put fill in, he has to put, he has to put. We all have to do it. Whether you're smart, whether you're foolish, whether you're strong, whether you're weak, you're rich, you're poor. This is mutual to all of us. We all have to give tzedakah, we all have to do this, we have to do This, this is all mutual. You cannot eat pork, you cannot violate Shabbat, but that's everyone. But what about me? What about him? For this, you have to sweat a lot, my friend. So rule number one, you have to pray non-stop. Show me a way. David HaMelech, Ruach HaKodesh he is! He wrote Te'ilim while he was under complete prophecy. You see? Read Te'ilim. You understand right away. What is he asking? Show me a way. Let me enter your truth. Dedicate my heart to fear you. What do you want from me? You have to sweat a lot for it. The more you ask, slowly, slowly, God will open to you. Even if you are a goy. Goy also has a purpose. He has to keep the seven law, but he has to do general things. And and even a goy has something unique that he has to do in his life. So even a goy that will speak to Hashem will get assistance more than another goy. We learned from Iov and some few other goyim in his story. So every person can reach it, but with hard work. What is it like? What is it like? A father that has 10 sons. And the father is a mechanic. He's fixing cars. And once in a while, the kids come, stop by, they help, this, this, that. Now, the father is thinking, who will I give the garage when I retired? Who should take over the business? So. The father, tell, one time, he takes his 10 sons and he tells them, listen, you know, here is, you know, you know the situation. And I would have to choose one of you to one day to take over the business and, and control all the assets of the family. Now, the father, after 10 years, who will he leave the business to? To the one who show more interest than the others. He comes, he asks, he checks, he reads, he follows you how you change brakes. He follows how you order parts. He sees how you open, how you set the alarm. Every little things he cares about. So that's somebody that it pays you to tell him the secrets that he doesn't know yet. Okay, this is the password of the account. This is the wiring password. This is where the money is. This is this. This you never do this. He doesn't say it to the others why. Right? They're not showing interest. You want me to show you how to reach perfectness that I will reward you for eternity? No problem. Show me you care. Not eating seeds and watching basketball on day, and then you cry, Rabbi, I don't know what's my mission in life. Of course you don't know. You live like, I don't want to say what. Hashem looks at you and says, you're a joker. You're not a serious person. Why would I give you this gift? You know, in the game, sometimes they find the treasure. They send you to a hundred different places until you grab the treasure. Go there, check under the tree, you have a map. You get the map, now go over there, go over there. Who, in the end, reached the treasure? The most serious one. Many give up. The Zohar, the Kabbalah, the Zohar brings a beautiful parable about the purpose of life. It's, a, it's called Mashal Bat the parable of the, of the princess, the daughter of the king. What does it say over there? The king wanted to marry his daughter to somebody, but he didn't know to which one. So he said, how would I know to which one I will marry my daughter? So many handsome guys, so many smart guys, so many rich guys, so many, so many, so many. How would I know? It's very hard. So he decided to put his daughter in the top of the building. There's like four or five floors in the building. He put her by the attic. He lacked the attic with the gate, with the room, with everything. And the the building is all the doors, everything, bars in the window. Everything is completely locked and sealed. Now he bought 10,000 guys. And he said to them, the first one who will make it to the fifth floor, to the attic, my daughter it is, with all the kingdom, inherit my possessions, everything. It's a package deal. It's all yours, but you have to get to her. 10,000 people go around the building trying to move the bars, this, trying. Maybe there's a piece that it's soft. They, they touch the walls. There has to be a catch here. There has to be a way to get to the, to the princess. He wants to marry his daughter. So he wants somebody to make it, no? So there has to be a way. And after a whole day, 9,000 gave up. I look all day, from morning to night, this king is playing games. It's too much for me. Rabbi, too hard to be religious. Leave me alone, please. Let me live my life. Whatever happened, happened. That's the total fools. No other better word to describe them. They give up right away. Then a thousand people stay there. Midnight, another 500 give up. "Ah, It's already 12 hours we're here. That's it. It's a new day now. The next morning, 200 people are there, still trying. By the evening, 10 people left. The next day, third day, two guys still looking for. Boom, one of them made it. He made it to the first floor. He found a way. He pulled something, a trick there with the gate. Up, he sneaked in. Now he's inside, no light. He's looking, trying, now he's there. Who knows how he's going to be there? Trying, trying, trying. After a few more days, yeah, the king put some food there, everything. After a few more days, he made it to the second floor, and that's it. He never made it to the fifth floor. So the king come and say, "My daughter is yours." He said, well, why. It's, I never made it." And everybody else say, "Hey, you're not keeping your promise." He said, what do you think? When I told you to get to the fifth law, I thought one of you can make it there. I know it's very difficult. I just wanted to see who really wants to get there. And he really wants to get there. It's enough for me. Here. the Tov. You understand? This is exactly our relationship with God. You don't have to succeed. You just have to show that you really, really care and you do your best. And that's already a major succeed. Remember, in this phony world, this formula does not work. Does not work. If you're a mechanic and somebody brought you a car and you work a week to try to fix the problem again and again, and you didn't fix one week of your life, the customer comes, not only doesn't pay you, you're subject to a lawsuit. One week, you put all your efforts. You got zero. lost out of your pocket. He didn't get A doctor, he made a surgery, a plastic surgeon. And in the end, it's, nothing came out. Whatever he was said that he's going to correct, he takes the bandit from the customer's face. What? It's the same. It's worse than before. Will he get money? <laughs> it will be the end of his career. Torah, you learn one week a page, and you didn't understand in the end. Doesn't matter. You did what you have to do. You, finished. you you already succeeded. We don't have an obligation to succeed. We have an obligation to try the best we can. That's all. That's a great advantage. Everywhere else in life, you achieve, you get paid. You don't achieve, get lost. Don't show your face, chatzuf. What are you coming to ask for money? You fix the problem? No, goodbye. But I put my heart in it. I did everything I can doesn't work by us. But with Hashem, that's all. So the Ramchal say, here is what our sages told us. That a person didn't, was created to enjoy the greatness of God. If somebody asks you, what's the purpose of the creation with a person in it? The answer is, the source of ultimate good is wishing to share his greatness with others. When you have treasure, when you have greatness, when you have something that can be shared, and you don't have who to share it with, it's worthless. If you have a hundred million dollar and you don't, you cannot have kids, the money is nothing. What am I going to do? Leave it to who? That's why you're willing to give ninety nine to have one little kid. Give almost everything you achieved in 50 years. Why? Let me give the last million at least to somebody. I'll give up 99. Better to die with one million with one kid than to die without kids with 100 million in your account. Everybody agree to that. Unless if he's crazy. Maybe he wants the wants to eat his dollar bills. I don't know. But it's common sense, no? Why? When you have something and you don't have who to share with, someone you love, you don't have who to share with, it's doesn't have that much of a value. So Hashem wants to give from his greatness to others. So right away everybody asks, okay, so what's the problem? So why doesn't he give us the, the greatness? Why we need to go through all these tests, suffering, injuries, divorce, staying lonely, problem with the kids, cancer, this, that, traffic, violation, tickets, getting up in the morning, freezing, that, no job, no money, no food, a lot of problems in life. Why do we have to go through all this? You, want, you created us to give us from your greatness. Why, where is this greatness? Just give it to me and that's it. But there's a problem now. If a person gets something without earning it, he cannot enjoy from it. Check. I'll give you an example. If you walk in a bagel store, you may get $10 an hour. You walk 10 hours a day, $100 cash by the end of the day. In days that it's very busy, you work very hard. From morning to night, you're exhausted. Seven in the evening, you come, your boss is in a little room. Boss, I'm leaving. He takes, uh, let's see, he pays you daily. The day that you work like crazy, and the boss saw, good job, buddy, good job. When the end of the day comes, you come, you go like this, here, I'm leaving. You get your $100 bill. You're not embarrassed. I kill myself for it. But. In the days that it was horrible, rain, snowstorm, no customers came. All day you sit, read newspaper, drinking coffee, eat croissant. One or two customers came all day. And the boss is looking, wow, I'm losing money all day. Paying salaries, employees, manager, electric. No customer comes. The food gets stale. It's, It's furious. Now when you have to go and ask for your $100, you're dying. What's the problem? I'm here 10 hours. 10 hours of my life I gave I deserve to get paid, no? That's the deal. But you don't enjoy the 100, at least not to get it. Same thing. You come to me. I said, you come live in my house for a week. I give you a car. I give you a credit card. I give you food. We do your laundry. We serve your food. We, everything you want, you just go like this. We have Baruch Hashem a team here. We serve you. Say, so, wow, you you really going to do it for me? Yeah. OK, so you come. One day, we run to you, Senor. Okay? What do you want? OK, right away, everything. Next day, said, no, no, don't worry. I'll, I'll bring it up to the kitchen. No, 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 God forbid. Don't move. Yeah, come. Yeah. No problem. Third day, he's beginning to annoy you. you. Say, no, 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 you're not allowed to walk. You just came here, we're serving you. No, no, come on. Uh, no, so don't give me any more. if you don't want me to help. Then the fourth day, you see me taking the garbage out. Right, the way you run. Let me help you. No, no, it's very light. No, 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 please, stay. Wow, why? Who wants to touch garbage? With your beautiful suit, now the garbage is dripping, smelling, heavy. I have to go to the street, touch the dirty garbage. Maybe there's a squirrel jumping to you in the middle of the night. It's, a lot of <laughs> it's not so convenient. Why are you killing yourself to help me? to vacuum the car, to watch the car, to go to the grocery, to drive the kids to school. Why? Because you're not enjoying receiving because you know you don't deserve it. You're suffering. That's the nature of the people. Some people, it takes them a week. Some people, it takes them a year, if they're ungrateful in their nature. But in the end, there is a limit to how much a person can get without earning it. It feels not comfortable. Why are we like this? Because God made us like this. If we don't earn it, we don't deserve it, we don't enjoy from it. One or two three days we enjoy a little bit, then we begin to feel uncomfortable. It gets to a point that we really suffer. That every time they put the steak on your plate, not only you don't enjoy, you really suffer. You're embarrassed. You feel, I wish it wouldn't happen. What happened? A week ago it was great in the first time, and now after 50 times you suffer? Yes. That's the spiritual nature of our souls. So the question is, why God made us like this? He could have made us that we don't feel this suffering that somebody gave me. Give me more, 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 more. The more you give me, the more I enjoy. A leech, a blood sucker. What's the problem? Well, You, you wanted us to be born here, to give us all the greatness, So make us enjoy the greatness without this embarrassment. No, what's the answer to that? The answer to that, impossible. Why? Because God did not create us. Who understand what I said? He did not create us. We are a part of him. That's what's the difference. It's not that one day God did like this and created the soul, no. The Gemara say clearly the secret. The soul, it's a part of God himself. The soul that he blew into Adam's body, it's a spiritual divine peace from himself. That's why the soul is eternal, God is eternal. The soul has no image, God has no image. The soul has no dimension, God has no dimension. The soul is not subject to time, it stays forever. The soul can split millions of times into millions and it still doesn't have a measurement. It's completely different than anything physical. Everything that God has, the soul has. The soul is merciful, the soul has shame. All these things that God has, the soul has. The problem is that when you push the soul into a physical piece of garbage, which is the body, all the time desire, food, sleeping, women, this, honor, ego, anger, all these bad things is the etc. Then it's a combination of the good and bad attached. Who's going to win? That's the war of life. So that's why we have the original traits of God himself cannot be changed. God cannot be changed. It's the ultimate perfect way. That's, what, that's why if we want to enjoy, we have to earn it. And once we earn it, we really enjoy it. And the final thing is, you should know one more thing. Really, really, really the answer to the biggest question perhaps in history why God needed to create this world. I explain everything in the most beautiful way possible, as we know from the Torah and from Kabbalah. But really, really, the real answer, after all the beautiful explanation and trying to understand what we can, is we will never know. We will never know the real secret of God, why he really needed this world and he needed to make people and he needed to put a part of himself in a soul and put a test. But we only know that once the Torah was given to us, it tells us what to do, what not to do, in order for us to reach the place of greatness. That's all it tells us. And I don't need to know more. And the Ramchal will say later that what we have permission to know and to understand, it's helpful to our purpose. what it's above our understanding, it's m- above our limitation, it means if we would know it, it would make us damage, not help us. What we can achieve, that means it's positive for us. What we cannot achieve, if we would achieve, would destroy us. That's why the Gemara in Masechet Chagigah say, Don't ask what was before, what will be after, what above, what under. There's all kinds of explanations over there. Also Hazal say, don't dig too much in the story of the creation. It's much, much, much more deeper than what the commentators explain to you. But the more you dig into it, it will drive you more crazy. Just enough for the simple explanation of the creation. When you come to the afterlife, some of the secrets of the creation will be more clear to you. Right now, you're not in a level to understand them, and plus there won't be any benefit. You only have permission to understand what's good for your own tikkun, for your own purpose. I think that if you listen to this lecture again when you go home on the website, this lecture has to be viewed a few times that you get all the concepts here because this is will help you a lot in your direction in life. And just I want to finish this page with another two, three minutes that we have left. So the place of the real pleasure is the afterlife, the next world. And over there is the real pleasure, and the biggest from any Pleasure that we can imagine that exists in this place. So which means every pleasure you know about in this world, it's a joke compared to the real eternal pleasure in the Olam Ba, in the afterworld, in the next world. And over here, it's a place of preparation for that place. The way to reach that destination... It's this world. This world is like a hallway into the next world. It's like going from the kitchen through the hallway into the living room. So the hallway is this world. It's only, the, it's, it's only one direction from the hallway, only one direction. There's no other direction. You ended up in that big place if you don't get stuck in the middle. And the ways of a person to reach this purpose is the mitzvot, the commandments that God ordered us to keep. And the place of fulfilling these commandments is only in this world. Nothing in the afterworld. There's no more tests. That's why the person was put in this world first. That by fulfilling these commandments, he will reach the purpose of the place that he's ready for him, the afterlife, which is the Olam to get the greatness over there that he earned with these commandments. And here is what the Gemara in Masechet Eruvim, page 22, said, today to do, tomorrow to receive the payment, the reward. When you review this thing, you will know that the ultimate perfectness The ultimate perfectness is closeness with Hashem. The closer you are to Him, the higher is your level. And this is what King David was saying in Tehillim, in Psalms 73 verse 28. And me, all I really want is to be close with God. That's all. Nothing else I care about. And the good, real good for me, what is it? To be attached to you, God. To be attached to you. And over there in teilim in Psalms 27, verse 4, this is what he says. One request I have from you, God. It's in a different place in Tehilim. I want to sit in the house of God all my life. What's the house of God? Bet HaMikdash, Yeshiva, places of God's spirit, holiness, learning Torah, synagogue, praying, praising God, learning about His greatness. That's all I want. What? Palaces, armies, servants, we, nothing. I don't care about this. One thing, please give me. Just that I'll be in your Yeshiva all my life. The king of the world asking to be Yeshiva Bachur. And we... Every one of us can be a shiva bachor, but we're busy with nonsense. Then, while he was begging you, I have a, I have obligation. I'm a king. I have to serve the people. I have to answer. I have to check the women's clothes, pure, not pure for their husband. He has a very busy life, very busy schedule. I wish that you take me from here and put me in yeshiva just to be and feel the greatness of your Torah, and that's all I want. Kirak zeh because that's the only good. That's the only good. And nothing besides that, that people think that is good, is real. It's all illusion and nonsense. Illusion, all illusion. Illusion can be very sweet sometimes for X amount of time. When it explodes, the pain is horrible. The disappointment, the emptiness that comes after the illusions is very, very painful. It's a killer. Om Nam. But when a person will reach this greatness, it doesn't come easy. He needs to sweat a lot, to put hard effort until he gain it. What is it? Torah, holiness. To do everything he can, to be close to Hashem, to stick to him. And the way to do it is the mitzvot and the ways of the Torah. Now, next week, Bezrat Hashem, he continue here about all the physical desires and their purpose. What's their job in life and how we overcome and go around or above all these traps that we have in our life. This is the continuation. We are still in chapter one, the obligation of the person in his world. Bezrat Hashem, will see you next Wednesday. Please remember the le- that all the schedules now is changing to 8 o'clock, winter time. All lectures start at 8, from 8, instead of from 8.30 to 10, from 8 to 9.30. Okay, and my second lecture, I already told them it's going to be half an hour earlier. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen